So this week on the World Triathlon Podcast, we catch up with the head coach of the Norwegian national team, Arild Feiten. Arild has overseen his country's huge success stories over the past few years, including the memorable podium sweep as Kasper Storners won the 2018 WTS Bermuda, Christian Blumenfeldt's brilliant grand final win in Lausanne last year, and Gustav Eden's 70.3 world title the following week. Harold, welcome to the podcast. Uh, safe to say that Norwegian triathlon has rarely looked in such good shape. Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, and thank you for inviting me. I'm um, very happy to be there uh, here with you. Uh, yes, uh, we, we can say that in many ways we have uh, some good results uh, the last few years. And um, it, yeah, we have been in the game for a few years now, but uh, it was probably after the Bermuda in 2018 um, um, more people are getting more attention to the Norwegian team and uh, a little bit about how we work in Norway. Does it sometimes take a moment like that? Obviously, there's a huge amount of hard work that goes into every aspect of their racing, but can it sometimes take a moment like that Bermuda race to make everyone suddenly realize how much they're progressing and to then kick on to the next level? Yes, of course. Um, uh, you, you know, when, always when you're coming into races and uh, after a winter of training, you're always a little bit uncertain if you have done the training well and the progression have been what it is. And uh, and for us, uh, the lead up to the Bermuda was really good. We thought if we had the good preparation, good training, but always you, you don't know before you race. And then we, we did the race and I thought, oh, I we are into something now the way we work the way we train the way we build up the training that's a kind of sustainable way of develop the athletes and um, we are in a way establish ourselves among the top especially on the male side so it's a little kind of a confirmation too that all the hard work you do the way you put the work uh, how you train and everything that um, yeah that we are going in the right direction and how long have you been in the national setup and the coach? And have you felt that this has been building up over the years? Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, I started officially in 2012 with the national team. But I also started working a little bit late as a volunteer in late 2010. And the whole 2011, I started working with Christian Blumenfeld. Mm -hmm. so I have uh, almost 10 years of working with the, these athletes and in the beginning we were like we have no history we have no national team we just started the national team and it's more likely a kind of a youth a junior team because we had no elite athletes at the time so so when we started we have a clear vision that we want to fight to be the best in the world within a few years but of course, um, we were not so sure how we should do it. And in the beginning, it was like, we have progression every year. But for me, as a coach, in the, maybe at the first one or two years, it was like, okay, is this a good way? Is it sustainable? Or do we will blow up now? Are we going too hard, too early? So you had a lot of self-doubt in the first years. But then you get more and more believe in what we did was probably quite good. And we see, in general, we have a progression for our athletes, and we have more and more athletes coming up. So, so for instance, when we have the podium sweep in, in Bermuda, it is also confirmation it was not 
all about one athlete. You know, Christian Blumfeld was, of course, our leading star the first year, but then we saw that, okay, we, the way of working with athletes, the way of coaching, that also is something that helped all, all of the athletes. So, yeah, it's uh, been a kind of a progression over the year. Yeah, I, I mean, you raced yourself, right, in, um, a few years ago, but I, yeah, I hadn't quite appreciated that there was no national kind of presence um, at that time. So you could be seen as very much a model of what is possible and, and how quickly you can turn around something that, that doesn't have a history into producing champions within the space of a decade with the right program. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think it's a little bit down to the program. And uh, you said that I was doing triathlon myself. Uh, I was on the national team, but it was no structure back at that time. And then um, I also remember that we were not very good on the international scene. And, and we were going and thinking about saying to ourselves, um, the level is too high. We cannot be with the best in the world. It's too tough in Norway. Uh, and that was in the 90s. So when I going into the coaching, one of the first things I said to, to the athletes or also to myself that the mentality I had as an athlete in the 90s was no way we should have with the new athletes. So for always from, from the first day of coaching the young athletes, they were 15, 16 years old, that's that our long-term goal is to be among the best in the world and want to be the best. And, and then you need to, to raise the, the bar and the standard in the all the training and the pro at, at least the program. But besides that, it was a strong belief that um, the, the, what we call in Norway, the national team model is a very sustainable way of develop national teams. Uh, in Norway, in the most sport that is quite natural, in cross-country skiing, all the best athletes in Norway train together on the national team. But in triathlon, that was not at that time so common. So uh, for us, it, that was very important that we tried to, to look into what some of the other uh, sports in Norway did uh, and learn from that and adapt that to, to triathlon. So to have a strong team, all members in the team training together uh, on, on training camp together, also have the same coach. Now we have a few more coaches uh, that athletes can choose from, but all is within the federation. So that is the way we have, in many ways, built up the team. Uh, and we have a few exceptions that some athletes are allowed to do it a little bit differently, but mainly it, it is the, the team, the national team, all the best athletes from the same country are training together after mm -hmm. the same principles. That is the big thing. And, and as far as how you know the last few months have been um have you been having to do similar remote coaching to the majority of the world and and how do you feel that the athletes have coped as well with that uh, uh, it uh, has of course been a little bit challenging uh, because normally at that time we would have been together on training camp all of the time but then we ended up that with me in oslo and them in bergen uh, so we, we need to have um, uh, more like re remote control on, on the training. Um, we have week, uh, many times a week, we have uh, Zoom meetings. So we 
to see each other, talk to each other. But, but it was a little bit different way of coaching the athletes. But um, on the other hand, that uh, since I've been located in Oslo all years and they have been in Bergen, they are used to, when we are not on training camp, they are used to handle most of the training uh, alone uh, with a program for me. So it, it hasn't been so big differences. Uh, but of course, we had two months there when we, I was not able to see the athletes. And that is the longest period since I started uh, the job. I haven't seen that. Um, and also, we had what most of the country had. We had all the swimming pools were closed. Uh, and... So obviously it was no swimming, but swimming is also a place where we normally have a national coach doing the swim training with them. So in, in real everyday, when everything is normal, um, I have a lot of communication with that coach. So we really know how well the athletes are doing the training, even if I'm not there. So, so that is some of the biggest changes. But uh, I think we adapted it um, quite quickly, and um, in the end, I, th I think everything has come out of it uh, as a stronger athlete, and uh, have the time working on the weakness, and um, for some athletes also spending much more time with the family. So, so we try to focus on all the positive things coming up with it. After a while of going, turning down the volume a little bit and giving them a little bit more choice to what to do. The, the athletes wanted to have something that challenged them. And for them, some of them, it was on really long bike ride. Some of them, they chased some Strava segments. Some of them did some small running races, either alone or with small groups that were allowed in Norway. So, so, so we need to find some some goals that need to work towards. Uh, if you not nothing because you have been building up for the Olympics and everyone is waiting for the Olympics and get ready for it. We did the, the first part of the preparation was the of the year was the preparation we wanted to do toward the Olympics and then everything changed within one day. Um, and, and then you have the little bit period before we knew that the Olympics were postponed, that everyone, what should we do now, what is happening? And then you knew the Olympics were postponed, and I said, okay, then we know the date, we need to deal with it, and then what should we do in between? At that time, we didn't know if it will be any races this season or not, so, so it's more like, okay, we need to find some other challenging challenges. So I so, so need to feel that we are working towards something. And... Um, for many of our athletes have been tried to, for instance, uh, try to improve their running a little bit, and then want to test themselves in some running races. So, especially Christian and Casper, uh, Gustav, they have been running some 5K race running races, and um, now we have all athletes uh, below 40 minutes in 5K road race. So that's quite okay. And someone are racing a 10k race, and so on. So, but, but it just they need something to challenge them. Do, do you think this period where people have, I know that there's been a lot of athletes focusing on those sort of 5k times and so on. Do you think we could see some very different styles of racing coming out of this? Could it have a sort of greater impact on the, the way that athletes approach the racing after because of this last three or four months? 
Yeah, it could be. Uh, I, I, we have thought a little bit about it and tried to think how will the, the, the races be uh, when the, the, uh, the season is starting up. And uh, one thing is, I see, it seems that a lot of athletes are working on the run and also improving their run. Uh, obviously, most of the athletes have been maybe lost a little bit on the swim because they have been out of the pool for at least uh, two to three months. But in the end, I actually see that I think that uh, swimming-wise, I think everyone will be at the normal level when uh, the season starts up again. And we see our athletes that pick up the swim quite quite quickly again. But I, I think it could be a little bit more aggressive way of running. Uh, when they're coming to races again. Mm -hmm. And it will be really interesting to see how that changed the dynamic of the race according to, to what they have seen before. Because it is a new factor now and uh, it could change something. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know how exactly, but I think it will be a little bit more aggressive uh, racing. And where obviously we are mid-July at the moment, where, where would you have been right now? Um, a sort of shortly arriving in Tokyo, still having that final camp, hot weather yeah. training and so on? Yeah, uh, I, if I remember it correctly, we actually planned to be on the flight to Tokyo today. Ah, right. <laughs> Uh, so, um, so the original plan was to go to Tokyo. Or, um, uh, it's yeah, it should be today or tomorrow, and then um, have a little bit training camp uh, outside uh, Tokyo uh, for the heat amortization, uh, and then of course uh, going into race. And before that, uh, we would be uh, in altitude in Pontremer. So that was the plan that we had worked out and we have all the dates and everything was booked and everything was ready. But now, of course, everything has changed. Just for our listeners, so it's that we're recording this on the 13th of July, so it will probably go out uh, in you know, a week or so, just so people... Yeah. So your, the plan was to, to touch down in Japan two weeks or so ahead of the race and that was, that was the sort of duration. Yeah. That you were going to be yeah. there for yeah, we plan to have around two weeks uh, up front, and out of these two weeks, we plan to have around ten days um, on camp outside the Tokyo before we going into the city. And uh, uh, yeah, and again, as far as the the Tokyo test event, obviously went very well. Casper uh, second and Gustav fourth, right? Yeah. Um, now, obviously, the, the preparation for that will have been very specialized and, and intensive and, and so on. But equally, that was for a test event, which is a very useful opportunity. How much did you learn and how different was the plan for the preparation for the games themselves based on what you had learned in the Tokyo test event? Oh, uh, in general, I would say that... Um when we were doing the preparation for the test event, for us, test event was very important for us because we want to try to do everything as it was the Olympics, to mm. see if the plan that we had planned worked out. And um, 
and hopefully it would have been working out quite well, as it did. Um, in worst case, we would see that it didn't work out, so we need to find a new plan for the Olympic year. Um, but, but for us, it was important that we want to do everything the way we wanted it to do it toward the Olympics. And after that, we have, of course, do some race analysis and uh, have some learnings out of that. And we still think that the way we did it uh, for a test map was quite optimal. Uh, but of course, we need to develop that a little bit further. But we know what is working and we also think we know what is not working. But of course, um, it will be two years between the test event and the real game. So of course, something needs to be better than two years ago, I don't know, last year. Yeah, was the majority of that key learning down to uh, race tactics or more specifically nutrition or keeping the core temperature down? I think it was a combination of everything. Um, uh, of course, we as all country tried to do some uh, heat preparation. And um, we saw that for us, what we did actually worked out quite well. Uh, we have no trouble handling the heat. Mm. Um, we also had some thinking about how the race uh, uh, tactics could be. And of course, uh, we have the, the, the nutrition wise and especially uh, the drinks and how much you should drink and uh, all this kind of stuff. So, so yeah, so, so we, we learned a lot from that. And, but it was also kind of a confirmation of what we think would be a good strategy. But again, um, uh, it is still one more year to the Olympics. So what we did last year is probably not good enough for next year. So. Hmm. So it's still something you need to be done better. And had the, the physiological impact of that racing, I think it was like 30, 31 degrees, were, were they somewhat as predicted before the race? Um, and I suppose what, were, what are the, the main things that, that the athletes are going through that they wouldn't normally? For us, it was quite... Of course, the, the heat stress of that race is quite extreme and not something you normally have. But, but for them to handle the heat the way they did because of the preparation, they give them quite confidence that they also can do that the next time. So they were not afraid of the heat. It's, it's something you also have the World Trial and have made a document to beat the heat. or uh, so you, you, you just know it will be hot you know you have to deal with it, and then you just need to do the preparation as good as you can. And especially when the outcome is like, you feel you handle it well, it's a quite positive impact on the physical mind for, for next year. Hmm. And presumably the athletes themselves give you a, a huge amount of feedback as to how they were feeling and what they felt they were lacking or needed more of. Yeah, uh, of course it was like that. And, um, but, but, but we have a few of the things that we tested out and a few of the things we found out we didn't want to use during the race. Um, but uh, yeah, but, but I remember just uh, that you are allowed to give them cold drinks during the run. That was uh, something that actually, um, it is the same for everyone, but just to, that you are allowed to do that, that was something that was uh, 
oh, this is good, and then we can have some cold drinks. And it was not like, oh, how should we deal with that? And uh, no, no. Uh, and and we, we didn't look too much to what the other competitors do. Of course, we, we knew everyone had some kind of cooling strategy, and but we had our strategy ourselves, and we have been, of course, looking what the other did, and um, maybe it's something we will learn from, and maybe something we will use later on. But in the end, we actually felt that all the athletes handled the heat, and um, actually, Casper, who was second, he, he actually run his fastest 10K in the triathlon race ever in Tokyo. So obviously, he, he handled the, the heat. So as, as far as you and your like, relationship with, with those, with the, the athletes, particularly like, you know, the, the top three, as you mentioned, and so on, how, how would you describe your sort of coaching philosophy and how have you, do you think it's changed a lot over the years? Uh, it's been an evolution all the time. I would say that the main principles has been the same in all years. But of course, it is an evolution uh, and you're learning. I'm the kind of a coach, you see, every year I feel I need to learn something new and uh, have an evolution uh, of, of what I coach and do with them. So, so the main principles are the same, but uh, we are, I would say that now we are working at a much more higher scientific-based uh, training than we did. Uh, it was not that it was not that in the beginning, but now it's taken up to a much higher level. Um, but on the size, we have the scientific part. Of, uh, me as a coach is is really important that I'm there for athletes and they need to know that you do everything for them to be at their best. And that is uh, my main goal. And I try to spend as much time with them as possible and um, learn the acts uh, in good ways and bad ways. And me, and of course, you as a coach, I learned a lot over the years because when you get to know the athletes more, um, you learn the weak, the strong point, and you also learn a little bit how you should different your coaching compared to how the personality of the athletes. And that is something I think you just need more and more experience to handle in very good way. Um, and and so, so, of course, um, so, so that has changed a lot uh, over the years uh, and hopefully to the better. Uh, but uh, as I say, that the main principles are quite the same, I would say that. As far as a group of people that seem to thoroughly enjoy what they're doing and are feeding off each other's success and so on, the Norwegian yeah. setup seems to be a particularly uh, happy place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say that um, uh, it is a good spirit in, in the group. And of course, I've been working a lot with it, try to have the group that dynamics to be working well. And I think to do that, you you need to find the balance because you need to be one of them um, and you share jokes with them, having fun with them, but you also let them know that you are the one who decide because it's always someone who needs to decide. And when we have the goal that we have, have it's, it, we are in, it's in many ways quite extreme because we want to be and fight with the best in the world. And then you need to have a leader who can, have a clear direction on how we should do it 
and, and that is a, a very good balance. Uh, and that's something I try to work on still. But, but in general, I would say that the athletes on the Norwegian national team are athletes who every day do what they want to do most in the world, and that is to train to be as good as possible. So it's not like it's a job or it's a, of course you have some tough days and so in general, they just love what they do. And if you are close to them and see them in a race situation or in training camp situation, you will see that they are close together and like to be together and they're having a really good time doing the training together. Mm. Uh, yeah. And then as far as, people essentially doing the job that they love and then you're able to increasingly bring in this scientific approach which must be fascinating for them as well to see data that is showing you exactly how your body's responded and so on um it must be amazing for them to be able to, to be able to go through that process as an elite athlete yeah uh, and we have been very um, clear on involving them in that the process and uh, since we have been more and more scientific going to the lab and need to understand why we're going to the lab. We need to sit down and discuss the data. And, and one of the big evolution of the coaching is in the beginning when the athletes were young, uh, even though you, you, you train them, you tell told them what to do. Now it's much more about coaching to have a discussion with them based on the scientific data to, to help them to understand what they need to do to be at their best. And um, I, I would say that um, the, the knowledge the, the athletes have uh, in how to train is extremely high. So if you don't know what to do, and uh, as a coach, you are in trouble because they challenge you a lot. Mm. And, and that is the way it should be. But, but, but you, you all always need to be one step ahead of them. And then you have the really good uh, discussion about how we should use the knowledge we have now to be even better. Uh, and that is, I, I, I cannot say it for sure, but I, I would say that that knowledge this athlete has about their own training is probably the highest in the world in endurance sport. Yeah. And you find that that makes your job easier rather than harder? Or more challenging. Yeah, yeah both ways. Uh, uh, ten years ago, I just could say to them what they should do, and they did it. Now they ask why, <laughs> and then you. Uh, so in one way, it's getting a little bit more complicated. But on the other hand, it's more. Um, it's easier because they know what to do. Also. Yeah. So, so that, that is a kind of a balance because uh, that challenges you much more now than I did. But, but, that, but that is the way a good relationship between a coach and an athlete should be. So I'm very happy that we are at that point the, the last year so that's the way we can work. But on the flip side as well, do you think that the increase in data and the increase in the scientific approach and so on, does that make it harder for sort of raw talent to, to be able to come through and is it less likely that you'd get uh, a sort of a, a maverick breakthrough and some sort of surprise world champions and so on? Uh, yes, in many ways, but uh, I will also say that um, in 
most endurance sports is not so much about the talent. It's about how, how much time you're willing to, to, to spend to try to be at your best. So, uh, but, but how the sport is evolving now, I think it could be very difficult to come from nothing to suddenly become the best in the world because uh, I think more and more um, teams are working at a much higher level than you did 10 years ago. So, uh, so, so it's when some, someone suddenly win a world championship, it's probably because of a lot of hard and right amount of work the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it is in most sports. And you, you see also in the World Series that you have a lot of young athletes are coming up, but they are, they are spending some time to develop. And, and of course, some of them will suddenly be very good because they're just taking the next step. But, but they, are, they are still there and fighting. And uh, yeah, so I, can't, uh, I can see some young athletes can coming up for the next Olympics. But that's still some of the athletes we have been seeing around the last two, three years. I cannot see a totally new one is coming up for next year. Yeah, like last year particularly was, you know, the, the breadth of debut winners, Jake and Hella Heens and so on, uh, yeah. Dorian winning for the first time. But yeah, like you said, these guys have, it's not like they're new to the World Series. They've been knocking at the door for a long time. Yes, they have um, uh, them been fighting with our, our boys in the in the juniors categories, and uh, we we have knew about it a lot of uh, many years. And then suddenly they take the next step, uh, and we also see uh, Alex G coming up, Hayden Wild. So yeah, we have some some young athletes really coming up now. Of course, Casper uh, Stones is also. He was twenty one when he won in uh, Bermuda. No, it's yeah. 23, still quite young athlete. Yeah. And so uh, next for you is to, you're being going to be reunited with them all in the next few days, is that right? Yeah, um, we actually um, have a plan to, um, we have been invited to, uh, I'm going to Bergen now, uh, and then uh, I'm going with the boys to Austria. We have been inviting, invited to do some two races there. Uh, including the Austrian National Championship. Uh, and uh, then we will meet again in uh, altitude, hopefully, in uh, Fondremeur from around 1st of August. And uh, we plan to stay there until we go to the uh, European Championship in uh, Tartu in Estonia, mm -hmm. and hopefully in uh, Hamburg the week after. So it's uh, fantastic to train in altitude. And also um, this area is... Um, especially in the summertime is very good for, for training and also preparation for racing. So we can actually, normally we have a Formule as a, as a base uh, almost the whole summer and doing a lot of races, uh, just travel to the races and go back to the mountains again. And uh, it's quite the same that uh, the Ophelia group is doing. Um, we will probably also have some Japanese uh, national team members with us. So. It will be quite a lot of international top athletes in that area this summer. Well, we wish you all the best for what will be an extra year that you have now got to, to make those preparations for, for Tokyo. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we all have one extra year. So we need, 
we need to use it uh, well. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank Great. you for having me. Thanks a lot, Aaron.